Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is New Bedford's news talk station, the place where the South Coast comes to talk about all the hottest issues locally and beyond. This is WBSM. Call in to have your voice heard at 508-996-0500. Or open up the WBSM app and hit app chat to text us. Or open line to leave us a voicemail. Let's hear it, South Coast. And good morning. Happy Thursday to you. Welcome into the program. Hope that your day is starting off right for you. The weather certainly is right. After last night's downpours and thunder and hail, I guess. I don't know. I didn't stick my head out the window. But uh, I saw some video people were posting, sharing on social media of big, big hail falling. I um, What I did is I went around and closed all my windows because I had them open. And then... You know, I'd like to keep them open during a rainstorm. I love, I love that atmosphere that you get in a thunderstorm, and I have no problem with that coming into into the home. But the rain was also coming in the direction that it was falling, so I said, ah, I better go close these windows. But when I did that, it was it was definitely rain. It was heavy rain, but it was rain, uh, and I don't remember hearing anything that sounded like hail outside. So maybe it did where you were, maybe it didn't where I was, but it was. Um, it was certainly, you know, I, I actually like those summer storms. Well, I guess it's not quite summer yet, but I like those. I like when you have a, a warm, muggy day, those kind of roll through. They break it all up a little bit. You get that nice smell of ozone in the air. It brings me back nostalgically to the same place every time I smell it. It was probably 1990, 1991. We were at the Wellfleet Drive-In Flea Market, and... We had an unexpected storm. Well, you know, there was a chance of storms, but this thing kind of rolled in very quickly, downpoured on everybody, and then walking around and having that that ozone smell, the the uh, the steam rising up off the hot pavement of the uh, of the drive-in area. It was it was that that's where it takes me to every single time. And I'm sure you have a similar memory. Remember when drive-ins existed, and you would see movies at night, but during the day they would have flea markets there. That was a smart use of the space. That was a good idea because there wasn't a lot you could do at a drive-in theater during the day when it comes to watching movies. Uh, and drive-ins, you know, are, are a nice thing. There's still some around. Uh, we have articles up at WBSM.com and Fun107.com where it tells you where there's some local drive-ins around. But it's kind of a lost art. It's a lost medium. People will... Go out and buy a digital projector. They'll put it in their backyard, plug it in, put a sheet up or, or, or shine it on the side of their house, and they'll watch movies outside in the warm weather on a projector. 
And I don't know why someone hasn't said, you know what? I think somebody on the, you know, I think on the South Coast, people would come out to a drive-in movie theater. You go up to, what's it, Menden, where they have the twin drive-in. Uh, and then there's the one in Rhode Island. Uh, I'm blanking on the name, but I, the sign indicates what kind of drive-in theater it used to be. If you look at the shape of the sign, you say, oh, right, those are the kind of movies they used to show. Uh, but now it's, you know, family-friendly movies. Uh, but if you go to one of those theaters on the nights they're showing movies, they're, they're almost always full. But a drive-in takes a, a, a pretty special piece of land. You know, there's been a lot of folks who have said, well, why don't they resurrect the Fairhaven drive-in? Well, because not all that land is still available. But also, in today's kind of modern design of vehicles, you can't just have a, a flat drive-in theater land because you're going to get people that come in in their big SUVs and then people in their little cars that park behind them that can't see half the screen. So you need a place that's parked on a hill, preferably uphill, although some drive-ins are downhill. But you need a hill so that you can rise the screen above those cars without having it so high in the air that it becomes something that would be impossible to repair if the weather gets to it. But anyway, that's, I don't mean to go on a front of drive-in rant, but I'm sure a lot of you listening remember going to the drive-in and wish that you could do it again. And what I like about modern drive-ins is you don't have to have that speaker on your car window anymore. Like now you, and the other part of it too is I don't, I don't think people would just pull up in the drive-in and keep their car off anymore because you're going to need to run the radio in order to tune into what's on the movie. And then you're also going to, people are going to run it because they're going to want their air conditioning running the whole time. So for those of you who don't have it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get warm in your car or you're going to roll down your window and you're going to hear everybody else's car running around you. But anyway, yeah, drive-ins are still fun. It's, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make it the way that you see a movie for the first time that you really want to see. But it's a great way to go and see something that you're familiar with or something that you've already seen or something that you don't really care too much about. Well, at some point today, we're going to have to talk about this story. And and I guess maybe it does need to be right now as you're waking up. And then maybe who knows if it'll be while you're eating your breakfast. But at some point, we're going to have to talk about this story that Kate was reporting in the news that, I mean, she calls it what it is. It's body snatching. That's what it is. There's someone who worked at the Harvard Medical School morgue, trusted with bodies of, of the deceased that were donated to science. You know, you've heard people use that phrase, well, you know, when I die, I'm going to donate my body to science. Well, don't you, don't you yell at me, computer. So these... People who donate their bodies to science, they end up in a medical school, something like Harvard Medical School. And the person who was the manager of the morgue there has been arrested and is among several people who were arrested by the FBI on suspicion of trafficking stolen human remains. So the medical students were doing what they needed to do with these you know, cadavers. And then this person was taking the remaining body parts or taking the bodies after they were done experimenting on them, and rather than doing what they're supposed to do with them, which is, I believe, cremate them, 
They were instead taking those body parts and selling them to people, including a woman who, and this is alleged, by the way, I should say, allegedly selling them to people, uh, including a woman who owns a shop in Salem that appear, appeared to be selling these body parts to other people. Just a gruesome story. And not something that you expect to, to read about in 2023. You know, this, this sounds like a story, as Kate mentions in her story, it's something that comes out of 19th century Scotland. Not something that comes out of 2023 Harvard Medical School. One of the most respected medical schools in the world. And this is this was a problem. You know, not that long ago. I would say maybe 100, 120 years ago is when they really started cracking down on this here in, at least in Massachusetts. But this was a problem for a long, long time where if you buried a deceased loved one, loved one, there was a chance that that person was going to get dug up. Whether it be to rob the grave, which was a huge problem. There was a depression, an economic depression in the late 1800s that had people going into to graveyards and digging up graves, whether freshly buried or not, but looking for any valuables that the person might have been buried with. So you bury your grandmother with, you know, her favorite ring on her finger because she loved that ring. She didn't want to pass it down to anybody. It was her most prized possession. You bury her with that. Someone goes into that grave and takes that ring. But it also got even more gruesome than that back then too because there were medical students who were stealing the bodies from graves in order to experiment on. As we made advances in medicine, they didn't have the amount of cadavers that they needed. So they would go and find their own. There was a big boom after the Civil War in modern medicine, but without the, you know, in the Civil War, sadly, they had a, a constant influx of cadavers that they could experiment on. Folks who were, men who were dying in the Civil War that they could then take into their medical schools and experiment on and further medical research. Well, after the war was over, that pipeline for, for experimentation kind of dried up. So they would go out and start looking at graves. So I can only imagine that there were probably nights when the grave robbers for looking for money, looking, looking for valuables, were crossing paths with the grave robbers who were looking for, you know, bodies to use for science. There's a story if we want to take this back to the paranormal as I do with almost everything, there's a story that the, where the Plymouth, uh, where the um, John Carver Inn is in Plymouth, that big hotel with the pillars and they had the hearth and kettle restaurant inside. Now it's got a water park inside that that has a haunted room, room 309, I believe. And that that room is haunted because that was the former site of a, home where medical students were staying. So it was like a, a like a rental home for them. And they would go up at night to Burial Hill, which is right behind the John Carver Inn, and whenever there was a fresh body buried, 
they would go up there and they would dig it up and they would bring it back down into the house and they would experiment and you know learn what they needed to learn off these bodies that they were stealing from Burial Hill. And that the spirits of those people are upset about it and that's why they haunt the John Carver Inn. I don't know how much of that is true. I haven't found anything historically that proves that story, but it's a good story. And sometimes with those ghost stories, it exists to explain something rather than um, you know, have historical basis. It's kind of like when the Greeks came up with all their different gods. It was more to explain things that they didn't understand than it was to actually have something that you would worship. So I think that there's probably some degree of truth to it, though, because they did have a lot of grave robberies up there. And in fact, you may see in some cemeteries a mort safe. And they don't really occur that much in America, but if they do, you usually see them in New England, in some of our New England cemeteries. They're they're a very big thing in the UK. But a mort safe is a metal gate that is placed over someone's grave. And when you've seen them, I've, I've heard people tell tale that, you know, that when people see these, they, they tell the story that it's because the person who was buried under there was believed to be a vampire. And they put this, this metal gate over the, the grave so that the person couldn't rise from the grave. It's a good story, but it's not true. They were put in there to protect the bodies underneath so that people couldn't rob the grave, whether it be for valuables or, for, you know, it's almost like it was, um, advertising to them you know we buried this person with some very valuable things so you can spend all the time you want trying to dig up this mort safe and if you can get around it then there's something good in there for you but uh, that's it, it was a practice that became less less and less popular here and a lot of the ones that were here were eventually removed you know once we realized we don't need to rob graves that's disgusting but apparently that didn't stop these folks who were alleged of doing it at uh, at Harvard Medical School before before the bodies were interred. 508-996-0500. Going to take my first break. We'll be back in a few moments. from uh, the Space Jam soundtrack, I believe, with this cover of Steve Miller Band's Fly Like an Eagle. And, you know, usually I'm not a big fan of covers. My rule with a cover song is don't do it if you don't have something that's going to add to it. Don't do it unless you think you can, Im- I wouldn't say improve, but, you know, have a different take on what it is that people are used to hearing and love. It's different if it's like an obscure song and you're bringing it into the mainstream. 
But like, you know, you want to talk about perfect cover songs? Look at Whitney Houston's version of I Will Always Love You versus Dolly Parton's. Both great songs, both vastly different. And that was a remake that was certainly justified, became a huge hit. But then you get people that just remake songs because they like them. And you say, okay, but what did you add to it? But I always thought that that version of Fly Like an Eagle was cool because it took it took the original song and had the vibe and the spirit of the original song, but it took it into a different a different uh, atmosphere with it. And of course, Seal is amazing, so anything he does is great. And then then Alanis Morissette covered it probably about ten years after Seal, and that was a pretty interesting cover as well. So yesterday I told you about that lobster grilled lobster sandwich that we had uh, up at. Uh, that I had a, the lobster pot in Bristol, Rhode Island, and that we had a seize the deal going on sale yesterday for the lobster pot. And it went on sale yesterday at 3 p.m., and that's because Jackson was there broadcasting live from Fun 107. So you know, if you went on the Fun 107 Instagram or Facebook story, you got to see all the great food that he was trying out over there. But we do still have some of those seize the deal deals available. They're about halfway sold out. So if you want to jump on that deal, you've still got time. And you can go to SeizeTheDeal.com to get that. We'll have some different deals going on sale all this week because Jackson's going out to restaurants for Fun 107 all this week. So we'll have those deals available for you. Uh, but that one is still there if you want to be able to get that and try that grilled lobster sandwich. I've had a few people that messaged me and said, you've got to go up to Maine and try the world's biggest lobster roll. And I forget the name of, it's like a taste of Maine, I believe is the name of the restaurant. And I was looking at photos of this thing and it's long. I don't know how long it is. I just saw photos. I didn't really see any description about it, but it's long. It, it's more than enough for two or three people. And it takes up the length of the whole table. And they were asking, you know, obviously it's going to be market price, but people were asking in the photo comments, how much did you pay for that thing? And they said, oh, it was $160. And I was thinking about it, like, would you pay $160 to have a lobster roll that you could share with the table? I mean, I, I love lobster, but I don't know that I would justify $160 worth of it. When when uh, the, the lobster subs first came out at D'Angelo, instead of doing a lobster roll, they did a straight lobster sub on a sub roll. And you can get a small, which was like 10 bucks, or you could get a large, which was like a foot-long lobster sub. For I think it was like eighteen bucks back before you know subs just cost eighteen dollars, and my wife and I we had this thing where every summer we'd pick one night where we would get those. We would each get a foot long, and if we could finish it, great. If not, you'd save the rest for the next day, and we would get that while we were like watching you know a movie or a Red Sox game or whatever other summer programming we got. But then very quickly those. $18 lobster subs turned into $40 lobster subs, and then they stopped doing them that way. All right, well, let's uh, let's get ready to go into the newsroom. Kate Robinson is ready with all of our big stories of the day. A committee of lawmakers has harshly rebuked former British Prime Minister Boris Johnson. In a report Thursday, the House of Commons Privileges Committee says Johnson lied to Parliament about lockdown flouting parties and was complicit in a campaign to intimidate those investigating his conduct. 
The committee found Johnson's actions were such a flagrant violation of the rules that they warranted a 90-day suspension from Parliament. That sanction would have been more than enough to trigger a by-election that could have cost Johnson his seat in Parliament. But the former Prime Minister avoided that ignominy by resigning last week after the committee gave him advance notice of its findings. Hundreds of thousands are without power after severe weather slams the southeast. High winds in excess of 80 miles per hour were reported Wednesday throughout the southeast and the Gulf Coast, along with tornadoes and baseball-sized hail. Forecasters say there were at least eight tornado reports. Texas is sending more migrants to L.A. Governor Greg Abbott tweeted on Wednesday that more than 40 migrants were put on a bus to Los Angeles. Abbott claimed that small Texas border towns were being, quote, overrun and overwhelmed with migrants and called their removal a, quote, much-needed relief. The Southern Baptist Convention is affirming its decision to remove a major Southern California congregation because it has women pastors. Representatives at the SBC conference in New Orleans voted overwhelmingly on Wednesday to support the decision to drum out Saddleback Church. Saddleback is one of the biggest churches in the U.S. Club Q survivors will be honored as Grand Marshals for the upcoming Denver Pride Parade. Michael Anderson, Club Q Vice President of Operations, says he's invited all the survivors and victims' families to join the group. It's going to be a beautiful display, I think, of strength, of just vigilance, of of fighting back and not being afraid. The mass shooting at the Colorado Springs Bar killed five people. Anderson was working behind the bar on the night of the shooting. A Colorado landlord is evicting Twitter from its offices in Boulder after the company failed to pay its rent. A Boulder District Court judge issued an eviction notice to the company late last month, ordering Twitter to return its suites to the property owner. The landlord reportedly asked Twitter to pay the outstanding rent several times, but received no response. Lawmakers are introducing a new bill to protect TikTok user information. Six senators and two members of the House of Representatives say the Chinese-owned app poses serious security risks to the data of Americans. Senators say the bill introduced Wednesday would stop the app from sending personal information to China. TikTok is denying the claims of improper data use and says it spent more than $1.5 billion on security measures. Texas is cracking down on the deadly opioid fentanyl by increasing the criminal penalties for drug dealers. Trey Thomas reports. Governor Greg Abbott signed the bill Wednesday. He says they want drug dealers to be scared to sell fentanyl. Any person who causes a death by unlawfully manufacturing or delivering fentanyl can be prosecuted for murder in the state of Texas. Abbott also signed a bill that gets more Narcan to schools and colleges. The drug can be quickly applied to prevent an overdose death. I'm Trey Thomas. Former President Trump is still leading among Republican voters despite his federal indictment. A new poll from Quinnipiac University shows Trump leading Florida Governor Ron DeSantis by 30 percent, with 53 percent saying they'd vote for the former president. The poll shows President Biden holding a slight lead over Trump in a general election. And Americans are waiting longer to get hitched. Bree Tennis has more. 
The Center for Family and Demographic Research says couples have flipped that traditional plan of getting married and building a life together. A study shows young adults are now building that life first and looking for a family later. In the 1950s, the average age for a groom was 23, 20 for a bride. In 1980, the average male was married by age 25. The U.S. Census says today that groom is 30. That's also the age for couples to start having babies. That's the highest age on record. I'm Bree Tennis, NBC News Radio. In sports, the Red Sox salvaged the series after beating the Colorado Rockies 6-3. Tomorrow, they host the Yankees. Now for your local forecast from ABC6. Well, today will be a very nice day. We are looking at a high of 77 degrees with partly cloudy skies. Overnight tonight, we're going to get down to 58 degrees with mostly clear skies. And for tomorrow, warming up to about 80 degrees with a low chance of catching a shower or two here in the afternoon. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Skylar Spindler on New Bedford's News Talk Station 1420 WBSM. Right now it is 59 degrees and sunny. I'm Kate Robinson for WBSM News. Stay up to date with WBSM, New Bedford's news talk station. And get breaking news alerts with the WBSM app. which was a song that they put out for the anthology series that came out in, oh, what year was it, 95? Nine, yeah, it would have been late 95 because it was my senior year of high school, right around Thanksgiving time, because I remember getting getting the CD and listening to it all night before the Thanksgiving game. But, uh, yeah, so that was... I can't do math. Almost 30 years ago. And that was supposedly the last new Beatles music that we were ever going to get. Well, it appears that we're going to be getting one more final Beatles record sometime this year, according to Paul McCartney. That they are in the process now of finishing this up. And they used AI as a way to create it. It was a demo that John Lennon had been working on. And in what they did with Free as a Bird and Real Love, which were the tracks that were released as part of the anthology as the new songs, what they did with that is they were able to take demos that John had recorded before his death and kind of expand upon those. They were able to add in the other Beatles into these existing tracks that he had recorded. And from my understanding, he 
he tended to to make his demos at a slower pace, at a slower tempo, which is why both Real Love and and Free as a Bird are very slow songs. But there was another third song that he had recorded a demo for uh, called Now and Then, which he had recorded on a boombox shortly before his death, and that after he passed away, Yoko Ono gave the song to Paul McCartney on a cassette labeled For Paul. So he had this this demo, which, by the way, they, they, they again, they tried to put it together for anthology, but George Harrison said at the time that the, the quality on the track, the sound quality was, quote, rubbish. And McCartney admit, admitted in 1997 that that was the case. It didn't have a very good title. It needed a bit of reworking, but it had a beautiful verse and it had John singing it. But George didn't like it. And the Beatles being a democracy, we didn't do it. But they held on to it for all this time. And now because of AI, and, and it was actually Paul McCartney was inspired by Peter Jackson's use of AI for the Beatles Get Back documentary that came out last year or no, 2021, which if you haven't seen that on Disney Plus, it is incredible. It's long, but it's worth every minute of it if you're a Beatles fan. And for that, there were times when they had to pull out some of the audio to make it sound more clear because these are just microphones that were recording everybody in the studio with everything going on and a lot of noise. So they would use this AI to hone in on, say, John Lennon speaking over somebody like just riffing on a guitar warming up and then he would be able to pull that audio out so you could hear John more clearly and they could mute down the guitar so you could hear what was being said in the studio. And so that same AI technology, they're now putting that to use on this now and then track to pull John's vocal out of what is kind of a muddled sound quality so that they'll be able to make it sharper and crisper and extricate it from the piano on the track so that they could build the track the way that they want to. And so McCartney is saying this will be the, the final Beatles record thanks to AI. And that's pretty good that, you know, we, we, we talk about some of the, the bad things that AI is going to lead to. In fact, there's a story that's been going around that there's a radio DJ. She plays music. She's a music DJ on I forget what station. And she is now using an AI version of herself during her show. So she's used chat GPT to write scripts. And she's used a program called Radio GPT that impersonates voices and can learn to speak like the host. And she's using that to do her show. So you, they say you want to tune in because you never know when you're listening to her or the AI version of her. Now, to me, I, you know, everybody's like, oh, this is you're, you're basically giving up your job and they're going to fire you. Why do they need you if they've got the AI and people are all up in arms about it? It's a stunt. That's what it's got. It's got to be a stunt. It's like in the old days when when uh, when a station was changing formats uh, rather than just come out and saying, hey, we're going from, you know, rock and roll to country music. They would just suddenly without explanation play the same song for, you know, 24 hours a day for an entire week and then flip formats. Or when they were hiring, you know, when Mike Adams got hired at, uh, at WEI to do his nightly show, he did. Uh, a tried and true radio stunt where he quote unquote locked himself in the studio until they gave him a job. 
You know, and it's all stuff that's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it's designed to get people talking. And I think that that's what that, that radio AI thing is. It, you're going to hear her all the time, but she's just going to throw out some of that AI stuff to, to get people to tune in to see if they can notice the difference. But having the AI opportunity to pull out John Lennon from a muddled demo track and make a brand-new Beatles song is is pretty incredible because we shouldn't have been able to get a new Beatles song ever. I'm interested to see, though, how do they handle it without George Harrison? Do they have a, a George Harrison guitar track they can add into that, that he recorded, they can add it into the song? I'm sure there's probably a bunch of, you know, demos and riffs and stuff that he recorded and left around that they can add into it. But how much will they have to manipulate that to fit the track that they're trying to build? So it'll be interesting to see. But it's, you know, it's, it's not like, it's not like the world is, 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 craving a new Beatles song. It's not like we're saying we need we need more Beatles. Like we we appreciate what we got in the time that we got it. But it is kind of cool that, you know, when the two remaining Beatles are getting up there in age that we can give them that sense of closure for them to have said, "Well, we've had this track for, you know, 30 years and and we feel like we could have done something with it, but the technology wasn't there. Now that it's here, we can get, I guess, now and then. I don't know if they're going to keep calling it now and then. Because uh, uh, as Paul said in that quote from 97, the, the title isn't great. But it's, anyway, that's coming some somewhere along the line, somewhere before the end of the year, we will hear a new quote-unquote Beatles song. All right, got to take a break. We'll be back in a few moments. When, uh, when VH1 first came out, they they played a lot of older songs, music videos, a lot of oldies, we would say. And especially like in the evening, you know, like around 7, 8 o'clock at night, I would tune in and watch some of these. And I remember seeing the coming up video from Paul McCartney quite a bit. And I always wondered, you know, because he, he dresses up as all these different musical stars, including himself from the Beatlemania years. But you see him dressed up as all the different characters in this video, and you can kind of figure them all out. Like, okay, that's Buddy Holly, you know, that's '60s, that's 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 uh, Keith Moon, that's '60s Paul McCartney. Like, you can figure out who all these folks are that he's supposed to be. But then there's the guy who's kind of looking at you weirdly with his hair slicked back and a little mustache playing the keyboard, and you don't realize who that is. And like, who who is that? Like, it looks oddly familiar, but I can't place it. And I found out years later that it's Ron Mail from Sparks. So, you know, I play Sparks a lot here on the program because they're hugely underrated. But Ron Mail is, uh, he's a, a weird guy. 
Like both of the spark, both of the brothers in Sparks, the male brothers are are weird guys. But he's known he used to have a little Hitler mustache, but he grew it out a little bit bigger, and he has his hair slicked back, and he just stands there and he plays, and he has this weird look. He looks more like John Waters now, but um, it's it just shows how much their influence is that they made it into a Paul McCartney video as a as a as a reference as an in joke when when people probably didn't even know who that was. So. Pretty interesting. But everybody knows who Precision Window and Kitchen is because they are the folks who have been doing it better than anybody for decades. They will do anything that you need around your home. You need windows replaced, they can do those. You need to get just a pane of glass in a window replaced, they can do that. You need a screen repaired, they do that. You need entryways replaced, they can do that. They can do a full kitchen or bath remodel. But they can also fix your roof. If you have a leaky roof, like let's face it, after that yesterday's storm yesterday, uh, after yesterday's storm and the one that we had a few days prior, if you, you know for sure for now if your roof is leaking and you're probably thinking to yourself, all right, what am I going to do? How am I going to get this done? Call Precision Window and Kitchen because they get jobs done fast. You can go to their website, precisionwindowandkitchen.com, and they will give you a free quote. You can see the great materials that they work with, and you can see examples of their work. You can also go down to their showroom at 1111 Cushion Avenue, and you can talk with them. And they'll talk to you about whatever it is that you need done. They'll show you the types of materials that they use, and you'll learn all about how they can get the jobs done quick because they have almost everything they need on hand already. They don't have to wait for things to come in. They can build things in the shop ahead of time and bring it to your home to install it to save you time and to get your home looking the way you want it to look faster. So check them out online, precisionwindowandkitchen.com, and see some of their great work. As I always say, no job too big, no job too small, precisionwindowandkitchen.com. All right, we'll take our final break of the hour and be right back. Sparks. That's I think that's my favorite Spark song. They have a lot of great songs, but I think that's my favorite. I predict. And I predict that coming up in just a few moments, we're going to be going into the newsroom. We'll get all the ABC news. And on the other side of that, Kate Robinson will have all your local South Coast news. Of course, we can get your reaction to it on the other side. 508-996-0500 is the number. You can also hit us up via app chat on the WBSM app or use the open line voicemail feature on the WBSM app to record your thoughts and send them to us to play here on the air. Uh, and of course, in the eight o'clock hour today, we're going to have a couple of guests. Uh, first joining us right after the eight o'clock news will be Carla Cook. She is the youngest daughter of the legendary Sam Cook. I'm sorry. She's going to join us at 8:35. Let me flip that around. So at 8:35, we'll be joined by Carla Cook. 
and she'll she'll be telling us about how she is keeping the music of her father alive with a special performance on Cape Cod coming up on July 1st. So she'll tell us about that. We'll talk about her father. We'll talk about her own career. And then at 8.05, so before that, because apparently I'm working backwards in my brain, at 8.05 we'll be joined by Beth McDermott of Buzzards Bay Swim. She'll talk with us about the 30th anniversary of the Buzzards Bay Coalition, rather. She'll join us to talk about the 30th anniversary of the Buzzards Bay Swim. So uh, we were going to have her on yesterday. Some lines of communication got crossed, so she's going to join us. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.